0: Welcome to the Replant Podcast, providing biblical insight and encouragement to reclaim declining and dying churches for the glory of God and the good of our communities. Hello and welcome to the Replant Podcast. This is Bob Bickford. I'm the Associate Director of Replant and I'm joined by Mark Clifton, the Senior Director of
1: Replant. Mark, good to see you. Hey, good to be here. And we're delighted to have with us today the president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, this fine institution that my father graduated from and I graduated from. And I have an office here. And today, uh, Midwestern is letting us host our mobile replant broadcast. We take this all across the country. It's like a road show. And uh, we interview anybody that wants to be interviewed. But we're delighted to have the president of this institution with us today, uh, Dr. Jason Allen. Welcome, Dr. Allen.
0: Great to be with you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate your ministry so much, and of course, that of NAM. And it's delight to have you on our campus. Uh, you're not here much, you're out and about a lot for NAM, but you do office here, and uh, it's always good to see you on our campus. It's always good to be here. It
1: feels like home. And I tell you what, I'm, of the many things I love about your leadership here, and there are many, the best thing is the way you've focused this seminary with even even the vision of for the church. And of course that's where our heart is in the Replant team. We believe in the church, even the dysfunctional dying church. So talk to me about where that came about and what that means. Yeah, boy, that's a big
0: question. that could fill the podcast today, perhaps, but I'll, I'll try to synthesize it a bit. Uh, for the church, those three words has come to define this institution, and rightly so. Um, for me, a part of it was experiential. A part of it was uh, was theological-slash-biblical as to how they came about. So I guess just to rewind a touch, my personal narrative is I was called to ministry in college, saved my freshman year in college, went off to Southern Seminary in 2001 to do an MDiv degree. And from 2001 till the time I came here in 2012. Uh, I did the MDiv degree, did the PhD degree, pastored a couple of churches, served at Southern Seminary in a couple of different roles, and so for me, over that course of over the course of eleven years, two parallel tracks in my life continued to build speed. One was local church service, the other was a love for theological education. Out of the blue, this time of year in 2011, May of 2011. Or excuse me, May of 2012, the uh, the search committee reached out to me, uh, the, the from Midwestern Seminary, and we began to talk about a seminary and what the seminary should be and do, and they began to interview me. And for me, those two parallel tracks really intersected in my own life and heart. And I began to see, I believe God has been preparing me for this. And those two parallel loves, local church, theological education, began to intersect. And so for me, I told the search committee, I told the trustees, and have been telling this campus community and beyond since my election in October of of 12 that. Uh, uh, we're going to be about the local church, uh, for the church. And to see that vision take root here. And as I say to people, it's profoundly rewarding for me to see this institution embrace for the church, where it went from being kind of my vision to being our vision, to being the vision for Midwestern seminary. And so for me, as I began to read the new Testament after my conversion during my call to ministry, the years that followed, I began to see very clearly that the new Testament is about the local church. Jesus promised to build his church in Matthew 16. Uh, Jesus died for his church, Acts 2, the church's birth at Pentecost. Throughout the book of Acts, the church is spreading, it's metastasizing throughout the Mediterranean region and beyond. Then you start reading these epistles, and what do we see? We see letters being written to churches or, or to individuals about churches and about what the church should believe, how it should be led, how it should function, how it should minister, etc. You come to the end of the New Testament, and you see this great book, the book of Revelation, where... Jesus gives this vision to John, and he gives seven letters to seven literal churches, and right. then we see Jesus coming back gloriously for his church. So, to me, I, I I believe in the local church. I'm committed to the local church. I love the local church, and uh, this institution we have set ourselves to be the preeminent seminary in North America, training pastors ministers and missionaries for the church. Well,
1: it's working. Talk to me real quickly about your enrollment here.
0: Oh, you're so kind. Look, God has been good. Uh, this year we're in, as we record this in May of 2017, we're coming towards the end of our academic year. And uh, it looks like we're going to bust 3000 students this academic year. <laughs> and look, God has been good. That puts us, you know, far more than doubling approaching a, an enrollment. Frankly, this, this approaching tr- having tripled over the past, say, five, six years. And so God has been good. That vision is resonating with church churches southern baptist churches evangelical churches and to see this region and beyond the region come to appreciate that vision and send us their young men and women who want to be trained for ministry because of that vision is profoundly rewarding
1: i think you're right it is the vision for the church it resonates it's it's timely and it's appropriate and your your seminary here is Everything about this seminary is focused on the local church, and so I, you know, it's my alma mater. I love it. I would encourage anybody to check it out and look at it. It's a great place. Kansas City is a wonderful city, and your administration is uh, stellar. So
0: isn't it though? And just to piggyback here, Kansas City <laughs> is a phenomenal city. It and you know, is. How God works in our hearts. My my wife and I agreed to come without ever even coming to Kansas City. We've never even been here. Yeah. And so you kind of you believe God's calling you. You agree to go, and then you wake up one day and say, "Boy, I hope like it's a great city to raise our kids in," and and then we come here. And we move here and just fall in love with the city. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. so many different ways.
1: I travel somewhere every week and I love coming home to Kansas City. I really, truly do. All right. For the church. Now, talk to me a little bit about the men who come here uh, to be trained and equipped for the church. Many of them do not come from good church experiences. So, and many of them are not going to go to good church experiences. In fact, the majority of the churches they're going to go to are plateaued or declining, maybe seriously declining. How do you see this seminary meeting the needs of those men? Yeah, well, first of all, I believe it begins with a a theological
0: understanding of the local church. Um, Baptists, we Baptists have understood historically the difference between the church essential and the church complete. Okay. Uh, We're looking for the church essential and uh, praise God, we see the church essential. I believe in the vast majority of Baptist churches, by the church essential, the word is honored, the gospel is preached the ordinances are rightly administered. The church complete, uh, we'll see that in glory, right? Uh, no church <laughs> right. is perfect. Right. Uh, churches are in different scales of, of maturation, but no church is perfect. And so I say that to say I, I rejoice where I see the church essential, okay? So okay. I might look at a church, and let's say their ecclesiology uh, it's shabby. Let's say maybe the church is a bit lethargic. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they don't have much good teaching. But if the gospel is being preached, the ordinances are being rightly ministered, the word is believed and taught. I mean, I can rejoice in that, Good. And so as I go around the SBC, as I, I minister to churches, I'm not one of these guys who's hypercritical and saying, well, this church should be doing that or this church, you know, that church should be doing this. But I rejoice where I find the church essential, where I see the gospel preached.
1: OK, I think everybody needs to just uh, pull over the side of the road and realize where you were when you heard that, because that is one of the most impactful and important things I've heard in a long time. And um People need to hear that. Pastors need to hear that. Church planters need to hear that. Denominational folks need to hear that. Uh, She is the bride of Christ with all of her blemishes and difficulties and challenges, we're called to love her and we're called to serve her and not to kick her to the side of the road and not just to deal with the really cool churches that are doing well. But I really appreciate someone in your, in your position in Southern Baptist life who took a stand like that and says the church is essential, even though she's got lots of problems at the guy and listen in the day and age in which we live and the culture in which we are any church that stands up and reads the word of God and preaches it. We need to be grateful for that's right. And look, I've been in the trenches. I've
0: pastored churches. I've been a staff member. I didn't. I wasn't teleported, you know, to the seminary <laughs> presidency from some other life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I am in the trenches now, and so. I just love the local church. I, I do. And I understand that churches have great needs. I, I know what it's like to try to take a small church and see it come to life. I know what it's like to try to take a church that's been under great duress and try to see it come to health and congregational love and warmth. I get it. It's not easy. And so when I see a church essential, and I see a pastor who in his own way, of course, is flawed, but is seeking to love it and lead it faithfully, I, I rejoice in that. I had a seminary professor back at Southern many years ago who's now went to be with the Lord. Uh, his name was Chip Stam, mm-hmm. And Professor Stamm, uh, he had us a line that he said in class one day, and it really struck with me. Stuck with me. He said, "the the mature believer." is easily edified. Mm. The mature believer is easily edified. And I I want to be that type of Christian. I want to be that type of believer to where I I look at churches and pastors and people, and I can rejoice in what God is doing. Maybe Mm. I would kind of hope for a little more out of a particular church, Mm -hmm. but I want to rejoice in what God is doing Mm -hmm. in that church.
1: You know, I think it was J.I. Packer who said, it pleases God to find the needle of truth in the haystack of error. That's right. And sometimes we have to do that. But how do you prepare a young man or any man? You know, They're not all young. Young. I realize that guys who come to seminary, you know, we think sometimes they're all young, but, but the age is really older than we might think for some of them. Um, how, how do you prepare a man to go to a dysfunctional, declining church? That's right.
0: So let me begin first at the seminary level and then try to get it more personalized to the student. Sure. So this is where he gets back to those three words really matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the church, that's a vision. That's a passion. That's a love. <laughs> That shapes who we hire. So you want to have faculty and staff who embrace that vision, who, who believe in that vision. And I was interviewing an individual just uh, the other day, uh, con- conversing with an individual about coming to serve here. And, and they said to me, I'm Dr. Allen, I'm really wrestling through my call, and I can't figure out if God's calling me to serve in a seminary context or to go pastor a church. And I said, brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's exi- exactly who I want to hire. Mm-hmm. I seek to hire people who three days of the week, literally three days of the week, would rather be pastoring a church. Mm-hmm. And so what God's done here by His grace is we have a team of faculty and staff who love local church, who honor the church, who believe in the church. And so therefore on the campus, we just are churchmen and churchwomen. And so people embrace that vision. So we find ourselves drawing students who love the church. So so, therefore when I preach commencement here and. Four days, and uh, every fall and spring, winter and spring commencement, uh, I want to graduate students who who see themselves as church servants, who love the church. So they're they're not going out to be church critics or just you know blog about what's wrong with the church, but they actually want to go out and serve the church and teach God's people, and 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 love the the bride of Christ. And so, how do we do that? Well, it begins by having the right vision, thus informs and shapes who you hire, and then it finds its way into the classroom, into the hallway, into the cafeteria, campus events, campus culture... And so that way, hopefully, everywhere students go, they're bumping into people who love the church, and they're studying in the classroom with students who've come here because of our commitment to the local church. Thus, they leave here understanding, you know, really, my, my goal in ministry is not to go badger churches or, you know, try to figure out a way to, uh, you know, covertly reform a church or, or whatever, to be people who love the church. And yes, we teach truth. We want to see the church grow in maturation and to be more biblical in, in their leadership, to be more biblical in their theology. But all of that has to be animated from the heart of of love for the local church not out of some Mission to in, inflict some congregation with you know eighteen neat things you
1: learned in seminary. Amen. I like that. Now you talked about academic. What about off campus? What kind of relationships do the students have when they come here with local churches?
0: So we started. Uh, we started a number of things as I've been here. One of those is the Midwestern Training Network, where okay. we strategically partner with local churches and beyond. By the way, okay. The training Network has churches all over the country and beyond. We have churches in Hawaii. We have churches overseas that are part of this. But locally here within the Kansas City region, we started an, initial, an initiative called. Called uh, the Timothy Track MDiv, okay, where we're partnering strategically with about 20 local churches who meet certain criteria, healthy Southern Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. And we are embedding our MDiv in those local churches under the mentorship of those pastors. So students come here, they're being taught in the classroom, they're here you know, learning on this campus, but also that is being enforced and reinforced in the local church. We provide scholarship, tuition uh, for those students, and these pastors all have agreed to fulfill certain obligations and commitments to these students. So what they are being taught in the classroom, again, is being reaffirmed in the local church. And again, it, it matters because I believe the best way for a Midwestern sermon to be for the church is for Midwestern to be in the church. Mm -hmm. And much of that takes place organically. Much of that we can assume, but we don't want to assume too much. We want to make sure we're being intentional about hardwiring this institution to the local church and the local churches to this institution. So our students are getting it Monday through Friday,
1: as well as on Sunday. That's great. Now, what about on the campus? I know you have different events. You have a, a For the Church Conference. You have the Spurgeon Lectures. What are the kinds of things do you have that would really benefit a, a guy who wants to go and serve a local church that would give him some really practical hands-on help?
0: Yeah, thank you. And that's, that's a very good question. And and so I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40. How old are you, Mark, if I may ask? Uh, I turned 40. Okay. You turned 40 in, what, 1992? I
1: turned or when? 40. <laughs>
0: okay. So I don't know. I'm going to guess your first number is a five, okay? My
1: first number is a five. Okay. I'm going to guess thank your you. But it's not five. a six. I just want you to know that. I, I understand. Okay, so I'm somewhere between five and six. Okay, okay. So here's what I'm saying. <laughs> when I
0: went to seminary, not that long ago, the early 2000s, when uh, you went to seminary, let's say, I don't In know, the 80s. In the 80s, in okay, the 80s. in the those 80s. Were,
1: those were really interesting years here. We Anyway, go ahead. Okay,
0: okay. So here's where I'm going with this. If you went to the seminary in the '80s, the '90s, the '70s, or even early 2000s, like me, the seminary was really about what took place in the classroom. It was one of the things that's taken that's really taken off the past ten years or so, and especially the past four or five years since I've been here. Is really um, the benefit of conferences and events on the campus. We mm-hmm. see those as very um, as, as supplemental and being value-added on students that oftentimes are nearly as impactful as the classrooms themselves. So, for instance, you look at this year, the For the Church Conference with Matt Chandler and Ray Ortland and other friends that are coming here to preach at it. You look at the Spurgeon Lectures this year with Ligon Duncan. You look at our Ready Conference we do in the spring. I mean, th- there are a, a host of events, of conferences, of lectures that we have, and we are super intentional. So this isn't just about, you know... I'm trying to find some opportunity for an old seminary friend to come and speak. No, mm-hmm. we look at who are the very best men of God we can expose our students to on this campus. And we cycle it through basically over about a three or four year period. So, mm-hmm. for instance, we had our first Spurgeon Lectures in, um, in 2013, the fall of 2013. John MacArthur came. Mm-hmm. Fall of 2014, Spurgeon Lectures. Uh, Al Muller. Fall of 15, Mark Dever. Fall of 16, Alistair Beck. Fall of 17, Lig Duncan. Well, guess mm-hmm. what by the time Fall of 18? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while since John MacArthur is here. Mm-hmm. So guess who got a letter last week, invited him to give mm-hmm. the, the Fall 2018 Spurgeon Lectures on Preaching? Dr. John MacArthur. Hopefully he can come. I, I haven't heard
1: heard yet, but well, my point I'm is— I'm sure he's listening to this podcast, yeah, so sure he'll know, he know now.
0: And this probably <laughs> would be the tipping point. No, but, but seriously, I mean, all of this matters, and we want to be strategic about who we expose our students to.
1: I agree. And I, I'll tell you, and it blesses the city. It blesses the community. Uh, I look forward to that. And again, it just reinforces the whole idea that this is for the church. And so I love the idea that it's holistic, that it is classroom, it is local church, it is these conferences. And certainly you cannot downplay the fact that it's the faculty here who have a vision and a passion to help equip uh, young men to go and pastor these uh, declining churches. And I must say, Dr. Allen, you, you've been incredibly gracious about giving our team, the replant team, an open door and a complete platform here at your school for any number of things we want to do and encounter your students and work with them. And, and the other seminaries have too. We've been very fortunate to be on uh, on the campuses and be able to teach there and uh, have great relationships with all of them. And, uh, and, uh, but appreciate especially what you're doing here in the Midwest and helping establish those. Tell me some of the struggles you think some young men have when they uh, encounter these difficult and, uh, and dying churches. I know you went to a declining church. What kind of advice would you give them if, if, if there was one sitting right across the table from you and he said, Hey, I, I've been here six weeks and nobody likes me and the, the church is really having a difficult time and it may not stay open? What's the first thing you would tell him to do if, if he were there?
0: Well let me say a couple of words on the front of that. First of all, as it relates to those coming to seminary, those who are in the kind of the the training formation period of of, of ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, as those of us who are a little older, and you know, Mark, you're given you spend a lot of time mentoring young men. I'm seminary president. Um, I I think it's easy for us to overassume how much training the twenty five year old young man has had. Well, that's Uh, true. Many of them are coming from broken homes, many of them are coming from unhealthy churches, many of them were not saved until they were in college, and so we need to be super intentional about not overassuming or not or really not. Not assuming anything about prior experience or training or knowledge they have. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I think we need to be real careful about how we speak of the local church. Here's what I mean by this. For instance, um, over the past ten years or so, church planting has really taken off with great emphases, and we praise God for that. I think one caveat or one asterisk we have to put by that by that movement by that phenomenon is that we we don't so romanticize church planting. And I do worry at times that some of our conversations, we romanticize church planting to such a degree that we, we you know, the really gifted guys can go plant, the less gifted guys can go take the struggling church of 80 people. Mm-hmm. First of all, somebody has to take the struggling church of 80 people. Right. Second of all, the struggling church of 80 people can be just as glorious and just as exhilarating in ministry service as a church plant. And third of all, in many ways, the church of 80 people has benefits and resources uh, and possibilities that the church plant does not have. Exactly. So my point is, I, I think we have to be really, really intentional about how we speak to young men, especially going out to the pastor, what is healthy and realistic to expect, what we should encourage them to be thinking, how we should frame that up for them, and most specifically, how we should encourage them to think about success. Okay. Especially, we have to be careful with that very word. Right. Right. Maybe the word should be faithfulness, not so much success. Right? What does faithfulness look like? What does progress look like? What does health look like? Mm-hmm. The first church I pastored, I was an MDF student, and uh, God was really good in that church. We went The church, had about 60 or 70 people going, and uh, wound up pretty much doubling over the course of about three or four years. And I remember one time, and again, the church had had many strengths, and, and God gave us a lot of victories there. It was a really pleasant, really enjoyable first pastorate. I remember one day I was mowing my mowing my yard mm-hmm. and uh, mowing the grass at the parsonage. I remember having a, a very clear thought as I was reflecting on all God was doing in the church. I, I remember making this sort of mental connection, thinking that the type of church that would attract me to go to, So whatever that is, perhaps it's a certain size or certain leadership structure, certain resources, whatever. The type of church that would would attract me, the type of church that that, that, that looks as though the grass is greener. Mm -hmm. What if I prayerfully and intentionally sought to cultivate those very attributes in the church I'm currently serving? Mm -hmm. In other words... I love what God's doing here so much that what if God would have me be here long term? What are the type of things that may be attractive to me about another church? And why don't we seek to cultivate those here? And so I tell our students, I've shared that story a couple times or a few times around here, and I say, look, when you're serving your first church plugging away, if there are certain things that aren't in order or certain resources you need or certain um, ministries that perhaps you wish your church would have or start, don't romanticize about some church elsewhere doing those things and seek to find those in another church. Rather, seek to cultivate those very strengths, those very resources, those very ministries where you are. And you might find out as you do with each passing month, that church you're currently serving is far more attractive to you than it was 12 months, 18 months, 24 months ago. That's great.
1: And I love your, I love your emphasis on faithfulness, not on necessarily numerical growth and, uh, and, and what success really is. Uh, Boy, there's something so amazing about a faithful pastor who loves people and makes disciples and sees the community transformed and, and the gospels known in that neighborhood and the glory of God is made known. And, and I really appreciate your emphasis in that and your encouragement of young men and all age men, as I said, to do that. So, and they have a friend. If you, if, look, if you're looking for a, a place where you know that they're going to understand you as a, as a pastor and going to equip you and train you to go to a church of any size, I do really commend any of our seminaries. Obviously, they're all gifted in that regard. But my personal experience here at Midwestern, I just think it's a great place for training, equipping guys, and especially with your heart for the church, Dr. Allen, and what you do here, not only with your selection of faculty and the culture you create on the campus, but the conferences that you have in your own in your own heart, as you said so many times now for the local church and for that church essential, which I really do appreciate that uh, unpacking that and sharing that with us today. I really do. One last thing, if, if people want to get informed about Midwestern, how to learn about you and those kinds of things, what's the best way to do that? Oh,
0: that's kind. Thank you for asking. The seminary, just mbts.edu, mbts.edu. There's no W in there, okay? (laughs) mbts.edu. And then my personal website is just jasonkallen.com.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Again, thanks for being with us. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on the campus that is indeed for the church. I'm Mark Clifton, and thank you, Bob for hosting this today.
0: As always, check us out on churchreplanters.com for more information on church replanting. Thank you for listening to the Replant Podcast, a resource of the SEND Network of the North American Mission Board. For more information, visit churchreplanters.com.